welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Clay. I'm Sarah. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. So Sarah, I have a, a, a fantastic story to tell you today. I'm glad that is the name of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, fantastic history. Yeah. I'm just saying like fantastic should be implied. It should be. But, um, yeah. But but this, this is an incredible story and it all starts in 1980. Yeah, I can see that. And Bobby, Bobby Shaffron had just arrived at his first semester at New York Community College. He was pretty nervous not only to be starting college, but to be moving on campus and not really knowing anyone on okay. campus either. So he pulled up in this old beat-up Volvo and he started walking onto campus to find his dorm. And he was surprised by how friendly everybody was being to him. Like, very friendly. Multiple people come up to him and saying hello and asking how his summer was. Oh. And it was nice, but just, you know, unusual. That is kind of odd. Because, well, especially because Bobby wasn't, you know, a very popular kid mm-hmm. anyway. Okay. So, and he wasn't used to that kind of attention. But it wasn't just greetings. It was it was hugs. It was pats on the back. Even one girl came up and kissed him on the lips saying, I'm so glad you're back. This is either a dream or a cult. <laughs> nah. And he replied back to her, well, well thank you. Th- you know, you know, 19-year-old guy, thank you. Right. But I've never been here and I don't know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he continued on to his dormitory, um, a voice behind him said, welcome back, Eddie. Uh-oh. So Bobby turned around and said, oh, I'm not, I'm not Eddie. I'm, my name's Bobby. And the guy said, yeah, real funny, Eddie. Good one. <laughs> Classic Eddie. Classic Eddie. And Bobby was, of course, bewildered by this, um, but but it just kept happening. So he finally he gets to his dorm, his dumpy old dorm room, you know, a real piece of shit room. Oh, yeah. And he's just about to start unpacking when someone knocks on his door. And he's like, oh, great. Someone else looking for Eddie. So he opens the door. There's this kid standing there staring at Bobby with an expression like he had just seen a ghost. Uh-oh. And the first thing that comes out of this kid's mouth is, were you adopted? Oh. And Bobby, surprised, says, yes. Oh. And the kid says, is your birthday July 12th? Oh, my God. And Bobby says, yes. Oh, no. And the kid says, oh, my God, come with me. So <laughs> they, so these two run to a phone booth and cram inside. And this kid is trying to put quarters into the phone, but he's freaking out and he's dropping them. He's, you know, he's, he's shaking. Yeah. He's more freaked out than Bobby. Uh-oh. But Bobby doesn't know what's going on, right? I Honestly, that would make me more freaked out if I didn't know what was going on. This guy's freaking out, trying to jam quarters <laughs> in the in the payphone. Yeah. I'd be like, you know what? Actually, I have to go. So um, so this guy finally makes his call, and he's talking into the phone, and he's like, Eddie, Eddie, you're not going to believe this. So Bobby takes the phone, and he says, hello, Eddie? And the voice from the phone his own voice says yes. Oh, uh, uh, nah. Mm-mm. And Bobby says, everyone here at the community college thinks that I'm you. And Eddie says, yeah, I've been getting some strange calls. Bobby says, were you adopted? Eddie says, yes. Bobby asks, were you born on July 12th? Eddie says, yes. Mm. So Bobby tells his new friend, they got to go meet Eddie right now so they hop in the old volvo and take off 
And at this point, it's already nine. It's like nine o'clock at night. Oh, no. But they are speeding towards Long Island, going as fast as that Volvo can go without falling apart like the Bluesmobile. So not very. But probably exceeding 100. Really? Yeah. I would not think it would hold up to that, but okay. <laughs> and finally, they reach this quiet, nice neighborhood in the middle of the night. Uh, they exit the car and walk up to the house. Bobby reaches out to knock on the door. And just as he's about to, the door opens. And he is standing, and he's standing there on the stoop, staring at himself. That has to be the most deeply upsetting feeling. So it's true. And there's and they're in shock. Yeah. Staring at each other. And then they're but not just in shock, but like, you know, kind of an amusement almost. Like, I can't believe I'm what I'm seeing, but I'm not. I'm not necessarily terrified. I'm, I'm almost there's a there's a happiness too, lots of emotions just yeah. flowing, and then they start moving in unison like they're looking in a mirror. Almost. Oh God! <laughs> like, like if I move, it, will he move with me? Or like the Marx Brothers? Am am I in a, looking in a mirror? Or is this a real person? Mm-hmm. Type thing. Um, but yeah, it's true. So shortly after the newspapers are called and with this amazing story. Right. Right. And the papers are like, no way you're crazy. And they go out and check it out and holy shit. (laughs) And the story goes viral for the, for for the eighties. Yeah. Papers across the country are talking about this amazing story. Lost twins reunited by chance. It's incredible. So they ended. So I guess Eddie had gone to that same school. Yeah. And was not going this semester. And Bobby just so happened to pick the exact same school to go to. That's right. And that is so bizarre. And that friend who like told Bobby and figured it, figured it out mm-hmm. and was good friends with Eddie. Right. As you know, a lot of people on campus were friends. Apparently. But this guy knew that Eddie wasn't coming back. Oh. So he saw him and he was like, I know you're not Eddie. That's so but weird. you are Eddie. Ugh. So it's, an, so it's an incredible story that's capturing the nation, right? Yeah. So one night, Eddie's mom is at home. She gets a call. I imagine the family's been getting lots of calls <laughs> because this is a national news story. Oh, yeah. So she gets this call, and the other person on the end says, can I speak to Eddie? And she says, no. <laughs> Eddie isn't here. Mm-hmm. Who, who's calling? The man on the phone says, my name is uh, David Kelman, and I'm looking at the newspaper, and I'm seeing two of me. I think I'm the third. What the fuck? And David would say that it sounded like she dropped the phone and said, Oh my God, they're coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> David's friend had seen the newspaper and brought it to David, who was shocked. Mm, so they went home. Be. So they went home to tell his mom. And the mother was sitting there waiting for him with a newspaper of her own. Oh my God. David had the same birthday and was also adopted. So he was sure that he was the third child. Oh, my God. So Eddie and Bobby meet David, and it's true. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a picture just so you can get it. And we're, and we're going to put this up on Instagram. Um, but I just want, you know, this isn't going to be, like, super great for everyone else. But Yeah, somebody Control-C, Control-V, Control-V. Yeah. Um, they are identical triplets. Identical triplets. That yeah. is so weird. And, and and when they when they met, they immediately bonded. 
That's really cute. They were wrestling together the oh. first day. They had the same the same mannerisms, the same, you know, they they kind of moved the same way. And they had a lot of the same tastes. They liked the same foods, smoked the same brand of cigarettes. They all wrestled in high school. Wow. They liked the same music and had the same taste in women. <laughs> Ironically, there were other similarities that like they had they all had older sisters who were also adopted, but but these um were the sisters related too? <laughs> I don't was think it two so. sets of triplets? <laughs> oh my god. But all these similarities despite never meeting each other. They were literally three identical strangers. That's so weird. So this is something like my dad and I actually were just talking about this on Father's Day because I didn't meet him until I was 12 years old. Yeah. So it just there's a lot of stuff that you wouldn't think of being nature over nurture. Right. Right. Like stuff like that, like having the same taste in music and whatever. Like my dad and I have a lot of the same mannerisms, but they're mannerisms that I've had my whole life. Like since before I met him and we like all the same books and we talk about all the same stuff. And it's like when my parents were married, my mom felt left out a lot because my dad and I were so similar. Mm -hmm. Like we're just so much alike. And she's like, she's very outgoing. Like she's never met a stranger and you know, she like has very specific things like she likes like the Diana Gabaldon books and she doesn't like movie violence like, Lord of the Rings was too violent for her, like that kind of stuff. And um, my dad and I are just none of those things. But we have everything in common, even though we didn't meet until I was 12. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I can attest to that, you know, just from from me personally. Yeah, that can happen. You don't have to (laughs) have been raised with uh, a close family member to be exactly alike. So shortly after David is found and they reunite, Newspapers are called to this amazing story. They're like, no way, you're crazy. They go and they check it out and they're like, holy shit. And the story goes viral. Right. Well, viral for the 80s. Yeah. Did I say this already? You did, yeah. But that kind of goes with the theme of the story, right? (laughs) Well, when I say viral this time, I mean super viral. Like international this time. The boys are on every single talk show you can think of. They're on every magazine, every newspaper, Everyone is talking about it because it's it's a heartwarming, feel-good story, and it's just capturing everybody. Yeah. But after that initial amazement subsides, the questions begin to rise. Yeah. Why the why were they separated in the first place? Why were the parents never told that their adopted child had us had identical siblings? I would imagine that if they were closed adoptions, you kind of can't tell the adoptive parents that right i don't know i would think not i don't know what you can or can't say um so when it was time to consider these questions things from the past began to emerge that started to make a little bit more sense Hmm. david said that when he was a baby he would hit his head against the wall until he knocked himself out oh no bobby's mother would report the exact same thing oh god and that he would hold his breath until he passed out Oh, my God. So all these children were experiencing signs of separation anxiety. Oh. And they had all come from the same adoption agency, Mm -hmm. Louise Wise Services. It was the premier adoption agency, um, maybe in the country, definitely for the East Coast for Jewish families. But it was suspicious to them, not only that they were separated at birth, but that Bobby's parents, 
Bobby had been put in a home with affluent parents who are who was a doctor and an attorney. Mm-hmm. Eddie's father was a teacher, and they lived more of a middle class family. And David's family were immigrants who owned a small store, much more blue collar. So they, oh no! So you know, different, different socioeconomic situations. Oh god. So Bobby, Eddie, and David's parents all set up a meeting with the top executives to ask how this happened. How could it happen? How could something so cruel be done to these children? I have a bad feeling that I know why. Well, we'll see if you're right. Well, they were told in this meeting that they were split up because it is very difficult to find parents who are willing to take three babies at once. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And this is when Bobby's dad exploded because he had grown the biggest bond with the three of them in the short amount of time that they had been together because he was just this big man with a big heart. They called him Bubala, which is Yiddish for like love and affection Mm -hmm. and just warm feelings. And that's how he embraced these boys. But everybody was mad too. Yeah. But that was the answer that they had to leave with. Mm -hmm. And as they left, Bobby's dad realized he left his umbrella in the room. Oh, Lord. So where they had met. So he went back to get it. When he opened the door to retrieve it, he saw the executives pouring glasses of champagne. Oh, <gasps> uh, yeah. He said they looked like they had dodged a bullet. Uh-huh. So this was a red flag above the other red flags. Yeah. And the family went to some big New York law firms because they were like, we need to we need to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. But the law firms all declined to take the cases. Because they had associates who wanted to adopt through Louise Wise Services. And they didn't want to hurt Ugh. the chances. Yikes. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, I, so I guess the, the dad who was a lawyer was like not that type of law. Apparently not. Yeah. So meanwhile, the boys were not really concerned with all of this because they were living it up. New York <laughs> City in the 80s. Oh, well. You can only imagine... <laughs> The stuff they were getting into. They had bought an apartment together. They were <laughs> they were living as bachelors, partying all the time, going on dates, doing all the stuff that you're not going to tell your parents about. Right. In fact, um, one one little story was was um, I, I can't remember whose parent it was, but they were they were so frustrated because they're like, I have to read the New York Post to find out where you were last night. <laughs> So I guess Bobby did not go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They d- didn't really go into that. Yeah. Maybe. Um, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but they later opened a restaurant in Soho called Triplets. <laughs> and they ran it together. And it was, it was just like a big environment, big party. Everyone Aww. having a good time. That's cute. Then in the mid, uh, mid-90s. Whoa. Yeah, we're jumping, we're jumping forward a lot. Mm. You know, a lot of time is passing here. Bobby receives a call from an investigative reporter named Lawrence Wright. He had been working on a story for The New Yorker about identical siblings separated at birth. During his research, he had come across an obscure article in a medical journal on the topic. And this article referenced a secret study mm-hmm. where identical twins had been intentionally separated for the purpose of scientific study. Yeah. The babies had all come from Louise Wise Services. You don't say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when Bobby's when Bobby was told about this, he was horrified. But he and his brothers remembered that people would come to visit 
and perform tests on them during their childhood. Oh, God. Now, their parents were told this was that all children of this specific age range who were being adopted at this time, they were all being tested. (coughs) They're all being tested for um, like a study on adoptive kids, something Uh like that, right? So they're like, that's that's fine. So they came like every week and they would do personality and intelligence tests as well as videotaping the kids doing like riding a bike or throwing a ball, just doing whatever. But they were never told the truth. Yeah. And it wasn't just Bobby, Eddie, and David. Yeah. There were others. And we don't know how many because the study was never published. Oh, cool. Dr. Peter... Newbar is the man who orchestrated the study. He was a very distinguished, influential psychiatrist in New York. He was an Austrian. He had fled the Holocaust. Uh Uh-oh. And had a great interest in settling the nature versus nurture debate in biology and psychology. Oh, well, there you go. Just like you were saying. The experiment was to address that by taking these identical twins Separating them into different types of families and seeing how similar or dissimilar they would grow up to be. Yeah. But by doing this, they didn't just deprive the children of their siblings. The children also experienced mental health issues. And not just separation anxiety that I was mentioning earlier. Bobby, David, and Eddie all had dysfunctional teenage years. Mm. They had all at some point in their lives spent time in a psychiatric ward. Oh, jeez. There was darkness. Yeah. And reuniting did not resolve these issues. Mm-hmm. In fact, in some ways, it made it worse. Ugh. They wanted to be as close as siblings normally are, but they didn't have that 18-year history to build their relationship right? and understand how to be together because mm-hmm. they had that natural connection. Right. But there's more to it than that. Right. So when they, oh, oh, when they opened that restaurant, things got complicated their relationship began to fracture over differences related to the business. And maybe that would have happened either way Mm -hmm. because, you know, that type of stuff can drive anyone apart. Oh, for sure. But especially people who are close but don't have the history of understanding how to deal with those uh, differences. Right, yeah. So Bobby ended up leaving the business. Wow. And... This really damaged their relationship, but it hurt Eddie the most. Eddie was one the one of the three that was the biggest into like family gatherings and mm. making sure everybody was happy. He just wanted one big happy family. So the change was really hard for him. Poor Eddie. And it highlighted an ongoing problem for Eddie, which was that he was suffering from manic depression. Oh boy. Yeah, that'll do it. As more twins were being discovered and reunited with each other, they were discovering the same thing, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. But what else that was discovered was that the biological parents also suffered from mental illnesses. Like pre-existing, like before the kids were even born or like kind of as a result? Like their parents had like 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 for instance there there was one couple that were found a pair of um twin girls Mm -hmm. and when they they got some information about their biological parent they found out that her that their mother had schizophrenia oh okay and this was not after they were born 
Gotcha. Um, and both twins, both twins had depression mm-hmm. before they reunited. Okay. So the question was no longer just does separating twins create mental health issues, but is mental illness inherited? Oh, that's not something they knew before. Well, again, a lot of the things we're talking about is a lot of it is sort of um, a guess because, as I said, the, the the study was never published, so we don't know exactly what they were looking for in the first place. We mm-hmm. don't know if they were looking for mental health issues, or if they were just looking for nature nurture, or if they're looking for something else. I just didn't realize that like the scientific community as a whole didn't already know that some mental health things are genetic. Right. Well, this this would be a good way to be sure that it wasn't like part of an upbringing. Right. Or if it was. Yeah. So, again, why were the adoptive, adoptive parents not informed? Eddie ended up going to a psychiatric ward for three weeks. Mm. Um, and then one day, Eddie didn't show up for work. Oh, no. David called his wife to check on Eddie, and when she called him back, she said, David, you have to come home. Oh, God. Yeah. Eddie had shot himself. Jesus. And it was not the first known suicide of these separated twins either. Dr. Newbar passed away in 2008. Good. Louise Services, or Louise Wise Services, had sh- has shut down. Good. And all the files related to the study are sealed away at Yale University until 2066. Okay. Only the Jewish Board of Family and Child Services can grant access to these files, which they have not. No one else has seen the file, so no one knows what the study was looking for. Right. As as already said. Or what it found, why it was stopped, and exactly how many children were involved. See, I have mixed feelings about that because obviously it caused a lot of damage to a lot of people, like irreversible damage to all of these children specifically, and that's horrendous. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if it was all basically an experiment and you're refusing to publish the findings, then there was no meaning to it at all. Like it was for nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. I feel like there's no good solution there, though. Um, But what information has come out shows that the study did end in 1980 uh, when the triplets found each other. Yikes. So perhaps perhaps the study was never published because these participants would know that they were involved. Right. Or perhaps it was never published because since the time it started, those involved would receive public backlash for mm. doing this type of thing uh, you think you know, maybe maybe when it started the field of uh, um, psychology was like oh that's this this is something that we can get away with mm-hmm. or this is something we're interested in and then as time passed they were like yeah now that we know more about this this is an evil thing to do yeah but who knows yeah few people are alive who were involved in the study at all right one researcher was willing to go on the record though he was one of the people who went to the child's homes to do the tests. Oh. But he wasn't involved beyond that. He was just, yeah. you know, a lackey. Yeah. And he stated to his knowledge, the purpose of the study was not related to mental health. It was to analyze different parenting styles. 
but an adoption agency wouldn't know the parenting styles of you know a family coming to adopt you could you can you can do interviews and things mm-hmm. but you're not going to really you're not going to really know yeah unless the whole thing like the thought was that parenting styles are based on class like what you were saying how one kid went to wealthier parents one was middle class one was blue collar well that's definitely a part of it but mm. you never you know you, you can never know yeah you can never know they wouldn't understand they, they wouldn't know unless they already had data from the families do you remember the beginning of the story when I said that these all, all three boys had something in common in their families? Yes. What was it? They were all Jewish? Yeah, they were all Jewish. So, <laughs> is that not it? No. Okay. They're sisters. Oh, yeah. They I were th- all, the sisters were adopted too. From Louise Wise Services. Oh. So they knew exactly how caring and neglectful each set of parents were before the boys were placed. Yikes. And they knew they knew it because they had already placed a child in that house. Oh yuck. They knew they were putting Eddie into a family with a stricter father than his brothers. Mm. The question is did nature predetermine what would happen despite the family he was put in? Or was the nurture that the old oh, the other brothers receive, was that nurturing the most important aspect of why they turned out better? Right. Well, all the information from the story is from the uh, 2018 documentary, Three Identical Strangers. <laughs> if you enjoyed this story or found it interesting, you should absolutely watch it. It's available on Hulu. Uh, because a lot of the information in there is I couldn't get to and I missed. But you also get to hear this from David and Bobby themselves. That's so wild. And they are great, you know. And it's so much better hearing it from them than me. <laughs> but one last thing before we close. After the documentary came out, the Jewish board was pressured to release 10,000 pages of the study. Oh. To the participants of the study. You think if anyone should know yeah, what was going on, it should have been them. Right. But they were so heavily redacted that nothing useful could be drawn from them. Great. Thanks. Appreciate it. And they're very confident that there are still twins out there mm. that have not been reunited. That's awful. Mm-hmm. Ugh, cool. Thanks. You're welcome. Sorry to end on such a bummer, mm. but it's a true story. That's no excuse. I know. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to this story of um, fantastic history. And if you enjoyed, um, rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to. Rates and reviews are great for us. Mm-hmm. They let us know how great we're doing or how crappy we're doing. Well, and they also make it easier for other people to find us. Really? Yes. I've learned that from other podcasts that I listen to that like you can write anything you want to in the review, but if you are leaving any sort of review whatsoever with a five-star rating, it does kind of push you to other people's suggested pages because Ah. not only is somebody taking the time to rate you, but it's more genuine because they've left a review as well. Well, leave us a five-star review if you liked it. And if you had any issues with it, please send us an email. Yeah. Don't rate us if you don't like us. Just 
and address privately and let us know what we did wrong and in in your when you're leaving the five star rating if you're just like i don't know i don't really want to write a review just be like tell me what your favorite type of sandwich is sure and that works just as well as telling me that you think i'm cool and clay is lame okay sure (laughs) like a lot of people for this podcast really like sandwiches yeah weird right well, so then, you know what? We're probably getting pushed out to people who are known to like sandwiches. Like, mm-hmm. you know what? This guy in Cleveland, huge sandwich fan, but he'd love this podcast. Right? Right you are, Sarah. I'm sure that's how it works. You know, you can also find us on Instagram, <laughs> at FantasticHPod, uh, where we will be posting some pictures of these these boys. And um, the email address that you can reach us at is... Um, Fantastic History Pod at gmail.com. All right. Until next week, have a good one. Bye.